Hello, everyone, and welcome to the table where we do the talkity thing into your listening holes. I am one third of the great hosting trio known as John. With me, as always, are my friends Aaron, Mike, and today we brought something special to the table. Let's go, boys. Okay, I'll give so it to you. Me. Oh, uh, so what we brought to the table today is sequels. Movie sequels, whether or not we've thought that any sequel or some sequels are better than the originals, or if they're all just as worse than worse than the originals, or what? What do we think? Let me and let me lead off by saying Crystal Skull never happened. Nobody's allowed to talk about it. Start there. <laughs> that's that's not a thing. It's not bad. That just should not exist. And I guess that brings a good point. And wh- at what point does a movie series suddenly hit the wall? <laughs> <laughs> Jump the shark, so to speak, if you want to take a TV parlance. I think that depends on the genre of films because certain series only go for two or three movies, and then you have the horror genre that just keeps crapping out sequel after sequel after sequel. Yeah, horror <laughs> so, for sure is one that's very sequel heavy. Action movies, I feel, are very sequel heavy. They yeah, are I mean, currently doing a ninth Fast and the Furious film, which is technically the tenth because Hobbs and Shaw was a thing. So, I was fine with one, just one. And Tokyo Drift was neat as a concept, but it didn't have to be Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. It could have just yeah, been a Tokyo Drift Tokyo movie. Drift. I mean, yeah, you had one drag race at the beginning, but that was really it. But, yeah. Now, for what it's worth, I I love the Fast and the Furious series. I love those films but I've also never seen a single one of them in theaters. And I, I've, I've said this before, and I will continue to say it until it's not true. I love the movie-going experience. So if I really like a series of films, I will go see them in theaters. I've seen, like, all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies in theaters. I've seen, you know, like, every Star Wars film in theaters at some point or another. Even you know, the latest uh, Pirates of the Caribbean one? You know, I didn't even know that one was out until it was out. <laughs> I, because, like, uh, that's another one of those of those series that went on a little too long. Since we're on the subject of sequels, let's talk about Pirates real quick. Okay. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, great movie. Introduced us yeah. to a fantastic cast of characters. I don't think anyone can argue that Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, you know, Kira Knightley, they made that film. It was fantastic. Oh, yes, easily. Oh, yeah. okay, and I'm, great. I'm so amazed as well by what they made out of a single Disney attraction. Not even a popular one. Yeah, yeah no, it was, it was this really obscure like ride in, in Disneyland where the, it was kind of racist. Like a lot of the attractions back then were kind of a little racist. If you don't think so, then go on the It's a Small World ride and tell me it wasn't just a little bit racist. Um, yeah, well. But... Uh, no, like there was a. I was listening to another podcast earlier today. A uh, little bit of a shout out to uh, Wisecrack and Show Me the Meaning because they did uh, they did a pod on the new Mortal Kombat, and I'm always interested to hear what those guys have to say. Um, and they were talking about how certain movies have like these weird cliffhangery endings that you know are sequel baiting. And they brought up Pirates of the Caribbean, and this was what was said: that the first film has a very concise beginning, middle, and end that it's a standalone movie and it's fine, and that it baits its sequel at the end by saying there's still more adventure out there and there's potential for more movies. And that was great. But then they talked about Dead Man's Chest and how that movie ends. 
slight spoilers for like a 10 year old you know 15 year old movie at this point if you haven't already seen dead man's chest i'm amazed for one uh in a world where disney plus exists like go watch it what are you doing uh (laughs) but that movie ended with with uh captain jack jumping into the maw of the kraken and it was a very like we'll see you next year kind of ending and that was sort of a slap in the face to a lot of people because they knew like you know this is this is a muffed up ending to this film. Like we don't know what's going on. There's a lot of things left unsaid or undone. And that was kind of like what they did with um, it's, it's been a popular thread with movies. Sequel baiting is a big thing. And um, I think in the case of some films that didn't earn their sequel potential back, that is kind of shitty because it's denying like sequels. It's denying yeah. closure for those films. But do I think that uh, sequels, do I think that every sequel is worse than the original movie it spun off of? Not necessarily. Uh, a couple of my favorite franchise movies are sequels. Like, uh, I love Nightmare on Elm Street. I was brought up on those movies as a kid. My favorite Nightmare movie, not the first one. So, obviously, I like sequels. Well, but was that, is that just because, I mean, do you still think that the first one was, was better done? Well, I mean, so what was your favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Which my one? Favorite, my favorite Nightmare was three. I liked I liked Dream Warriors. That was awesome. Was my favorite. Okay. Don't mind me. Uh, I, 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 I like the marionette kill. I thought that was my favorite. And the thing about the thing about Nightmare on Elm Street, and the thing about horror movies in general is, it's not really about the plot. It's about the inventiveness of the kills in the movie. And I thought that Nightmare Three had the right balance of kills that were like scary in terms of imagery without being terribly goofy. You know what I mean? Because after, after three, like nightmare starts to get weird. Um, and I love the nightmares. I've watched all those movies and I will watch them anytime. If someone's like, Hey, let's watch nightmare on Elm street. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, says says the, says yes to the guy with the fucking head in the background. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Right. (laughs) You're pretty in the background. I totally forgot. Well, I didn't buy the Freddy, so I forget it's there. Um, and the mask isn't the one that irritates me. Seth's got the glove. He's got the Nightmare Three Freddy glove. I want that Freddy glove. <laughs> um, I blame you. I think he said he spent like uh, like a hundred and twenty bucks on it or something. Like, cause he gets a discount. Um, but um, let's. But yeah, Nightmare Three was probably my favorite. But with horror films in general, like that is the series that. They just keep beating the horse until it stops spitting up money. Um, look at the Friday the 13th franchise. Like, it, it carried on into... Like, it had double-digit sequels. That should never not happen. Even, not even Friday the 13th. Look at Saw. Oh, yeah. Saw, Saw had a lot of them, too, yeah. Well, they still, did so many... They did so more. many for Saw. Yeah, they're still doing more. They've done so many for Saw. They've already... They've ridden the horse out. It's it's now dead. They're beating the shit out of it. At this point, they're just grinding the body up so they can have glue to try to hold this thing together. Like they're trying so, everything they can. For me in horror movies, I I prefer the firsts because it's the introduction of a new mm. a new enemy, right? I mean, in Nightmare 3, you know who the bad guy is and you're just basically looking for inventive kills. It's it's changed the scope of the movie at that point. It's not it's not learning about this this bad new bad or whatever and and the things that he can do. It's 
just what can you do this time? It's like Final Destination. You don't watch the Final Destination movies to see that they're going to make it. You want to see how they die. And then you yeah. never ride behind a semi-hauling lumber again for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, so Final Destination, they also did a butt-ton of them, too. Like, seven, eight? Well, I think that that's the trope with horror films, right? When when a horror film does well, they're like, we're just going to keep making sequels. And at least in the case of the nightmare films, like you were saying, like in the new in the new sequels to horror films, you don't learn, you know, about a new like bad. In the case of the the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, at least the first three, you kept learning more about who Freddy Krueger was. Like in the first film, you find out about like the Springwood slasher and how he was a child murderer back when all these parents, you know, torched and killed him. And he comes back as this, you know, dream stalker. In the second film, you learn about his job and where he worked and, you know, all these things, where they buried him, that kind of stuff. And in the third film, you learn about his parentage, how he was the son of a hundred maniacs and was like a rape baby, the product of, you know, being brutally assaulted by a hundred maniacal people that were locked up in an asylum and they kept her. I think they said they kept her there for like a solid month. Cause yeah. they, they hit her, they hit her in this in, and you, if you've seen the scene, it's a really sort of disturbing, strange scene because it's literally just a hundred dudes crammed in this one room and they're all just kind of milling about. It's like the worst high school dance ever. Uh, right. <laughs> Um, but okay. uh, yeah, I mean, so, I, I, I mean, series, but you know. that could bring a because a, a good point to you know sequel baiting and stuff like that is that a lot of the movies are setting themselves up for a trilogy, and then and then so then it's almost like the trilogy, three that, movies together are the one movie, right? So at least you get re- resolution there. Because mm. that's the Caribbean. Um, that's getting to be the popular parlance and what, to go back to the pirates analogy you had pirates, Curse the Black Pearl you had Dead Man's Chest and then you had uh, On Stranger Tides or no it was at World's End, On Stranger Tides was the fourth movie that didn't have to happen um, and then yeah. there was Dead Men Tell No Tales Dead Men Tell No Tales at least was actually good I did not care for Stranger Tides there were things I felt like they did wrong in that film and I don't want to say that Captain Jack Sparrow makes Pirates of the Caribbean. But at this point, I don't have to say it because the box office has proven it. If it doesn't have Johnny Depp in it, people are not going to go watch it. Like, right? Uh, no. So just to throw this out there, just heard Katie say Human Centipede shouldn't exist. Oh, 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 but I loved Human Centipede. It was great. Wasn't there a sequel to that one? Yes, there was. Yes. And the thing about the the thing about the sequel to that that was great was that the sequel was about a guy who was obsessed with the original movie, and that I thought it was great. I mean, he was like a, a special needs guy too, and he was like a sexual deviant or whatever. Like, it was it was an interesting sort of thing. And I mean, I'm not like trying to talk ill of the special needs community at all. Like, as you know, someone with cerebral palsy, I've been very close to a lot of people who have special needs over the course of my life. Um, so, to be fair, I'm not like trying to talk ill about anybody, but I did think that was interesting. Like, and there was a scene where a, a freshly born baby gets immediately crushed under a gas pedal. So, damn. And I haven't seen that one. 
if you haven't been disturbed by something lately, check out the Human Centipede too. No, uh, well, I'll skip that. <laughs> well, well, like Pass certain him. certain film franchises, and that's what we're talking about here, essentially, right? Because we're talking about sequels and and reboots. Uh, oh. Certain film franchises are made by their sequels, right? Uh, okay. So if we're gonna if we're gonna go that far, and you're claiming like sequels, how about remakes in general? Because Freddy got a remake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Random Street did all get the story a you're, all the story you're talking about in the first three movies get jammed into this one. Well, okay. So on the subject of the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot that they did a while back, um, I took my mom to see it because my mom's a big Nightmare fan. Uh, she did not care for it. She said that uh, any Nightmare on Elm Street movie that does not have Robert England as Freddy is immediately flawed. For what it's worth, Robert England is Freddy Krueger. His middle name in credits is legally Freddy Krueger. He's Robert Freddy Krueger England. Um, because that's the the role he's best known for. He's a terrific actor. I love seeing him in in anything. But he's also like getting getting up there in years. I think he's like ninety or something like that. They say he was getting <laughs> old. Um, I mean, let me let me look up his age now because I, I don't want to say that and have it be like everyone thinks he's like ninety and he's really like sixty five. Uh, no. That'd no, be terrible. Still old, so either well, way, he's been, he's been up there in years, right? So I mean, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not talking ill about him at all, especially because it's Hollywood, and you can, you can make anyone look magically fucking, you know, 110 years younger. Uh, but here, so, me... um, what about Alien, Alien series? Are we covering the prequels? No, let's just stick with the. Original Alien movies. I was gonna say there's there's those yeah. three prequels that because like that Prometheus and all that film. stuff. Yeah, that's just to go back to the Robert England thing real quick. He is mm-hmm. 71 years old. All right. Okay. Just to clarify that. Because I mean, so I liked I liked Alien. I thought it was really good, but uh, Aliens, the the second Alien, definitely introduced a completely new spin on it. With the fact that there were, you know, it was a hive of aliens instead of just one, and the Marines trying to fight against them, and the Queen, and all that stuff, felt yeah. like a much more better movie. However, no. then you get Alien Three. Mm. <laughs> alien Three was just this absolute horrible movie. I just, I did not like Alien Three at all. And then everybody doesn't like Alien Resurrection, but I thought it was, it was campy fun. Yeah, I'll give it that. I mean, it could have did loads better, but... It was better than Alien 3. Yes. Well, from what you're saying, it sounds like it's not hard to be better than Alien 3. Uh... <laughs> I don't... I, I compare it on the same line. Of, well, because it, it's, it's just well, changing the movie goes. Hmm. Sticking with our Alien friends, I'm going to call Predator vs. Alien easily over Requiem, hands down. Oh, for well, sure. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a film franchise too, but then you know, like, I I enjoyed the Predator films. Like, I'm not versed in in Alien or Aliens or any of that. Like, I remember seeing them when I was younger. I watched them at a sleepover when I was like ten. Uh, so I I do remember the films. I remember yeah, not- his his fair share of nightmares. Oh yeah, yeah, I didn't sleep that night. Like the fucking H.R. Giger body horror shit terrified me. Yeah, uh, yeah I was always a big fan of Alien. Well, I didn't watch fucking- much of the Predator, but when that Predator Alien. 
burst out of dude's chest and ran across the room. I was like, nope, not sleeping. Oh. I'm done. I got another tidbit on that, though, first. Uh, they didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, so no, all the, no, the, <laughs> no, no, the one woman didn't know what was going to happen that way. Well, all of, all of the yeah, all of, all of the actors didn't know. They knew something that they were shooting a scene, but they didn't know that it was going to be coming out or that something was going to come out that guy's chest. Well, I assume the guy that had it happening to him knew, like yeah, the special Yeah, yeah, they just wanted to have more natural reactions, and I feel like they got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, like, yeah. generally speaking. The question of is our sequels better than the original film they're based off of? I think it depends on the genre of film, because like you were saying before, Aaron, the the first film in a series, which is usually a trilogy, is your introduction to the characters in the world. And at that point, it's new and it's fresh and it's exciting. So I feel like people get more out of the. People get more out of the first film in a, in a series than they do out of the later films. Uh, you know, uh, Star Wars, as an example. Uh, everyone's first introduction to, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, unless you were born in the last, you know, 10 years or so, is uh, A New Hope. Maybe the prequels. And if that's the case, I feel bad for you. Um. I mean, at the same time, you could say the same thing for the Alien movies. If mm-hmm. you're going to watch those, technically watching the prequels ahead of time, is that really going to help you any? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. no I, think, I think it's going to throw just more blades on it. Like, it's going to fuck everything up. You're not going to understand the prequels. You need prequels to the prequels for Alien to try and understand what's going on. You'd have, no, no, for Alien prequels, I think technically you have to watch all the other Alien movies first and then go back and watch the prequels to get what's going on. <laughs> just have spark notes like a, a bridged version of Aliens on the side that you can reference. You're still likely to be confused. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. no, I mean, like, are sequels better than the original film? I think some are. And normally I think of horror movies when I think of this, and that's because I, I've seen a lot more horror films. Um uh, I mean, for me, I definitely think that sequels are... It's very rare for a sequel to be better than the original. Because the yeah. original introduced the concept, and it's hard for a sequel to bring out that same kind of new experience when they're working with old stuff. What about, um, what about George Romero and the Dead movies? Um, because again, like the Dead films are a series of movies that are iconic, they're classic, Everyone loves Night of the Living Dead. Not my favorite of the Dead films. Of the Holy Trinity of zombie movies, my favorite is Day of the Dead. Uh, so Day of the Dead was on the army base, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, realize, I realize saying this, that any zombie movie aficionados that are listening to this podcast are going to crucify me for saying Day over Dawn. And that's fair. I get it. But Dawn didn't do anything for me, and I love Day. Um, I did like Day. I thought Day was pretty good. So Night, I, Night of the Living Dead was just is just so old. <laughs> well, Night, of, Night of the Living Dead was fantastic for what it was, but I didn't see it until you know. It, again, it was years old at the time I watched it when I was like ten, and I was used to like the hyper violence of you know movies that were made in the late eighties, early nineties when I was really young. 
So to see Night of the Living Dead, which was shot in black and white, and the effects were, you know, they were new, so they weren't like, you know, super graphic or gory. Now, if I had seen the Tom Savini, like uh, the 80s remake of Night of the Living Dead, if that had been the first one I had seen, I'd probably still be having nightmares. Uh-huh. In my in my thirties, well, I expect. Yeah, because you, you're not a big fan of zombies in general. I I am a fan of zombies, but I am a fan of zombies because I am terrified of zombies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've st- I've started my whole uh, wish list for zombie killery. I, I own my twenty two. I got to pick up subsonic ammunition. Just need a silencer, and you know. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what happens. You have a dog-eared copy of the zombie survival guide, and you know exactly what weapons to purchase. (laughs) I mean, a bow or a crossbow would be a better bet there. Would be. Depends on the amount of moving parts. It's just it would just be a preference on my end to have this weapon. That wouldn't be the do-all end-all. That's just kind of the a emergency has arisen. I need this gun. It's just a little quieter. That's all it really is. Yeah. Boys and girls make real good friends with a machete and or a crowbar. Uh, at least a crowbar has utility. Well, there's that um, monk True. weapon. The staff thing. You're talking about that? No, he's talking about the Shaolin spade. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I've read the book, Aaron. It's mine. Like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, they had some good points for it. A gift from an ex-girlfriend that I have held on to. So, yeah. <laughs> but So, uh, so horror movies, I think it does seem like they have a greater propensity of having a sequel that's yeah. better. Horror movies are, well, horror movies are rife for sequels in general. And while some sequels wind up, like, the general rule is that sequels are not as good as the first film. Um... Sometimes you'll get one that's just as good or that scratches that same itch. And I, th- I think that that's true more for horror films than any other type of film. Like, um, a lot of people think that Empire was the high point of the Star Wars trilogy. Um, I tend to agree, in a sense, because Empire is where things started to come to a head. Um, but? But I'm also not hard to please when it comes to, to films. And film sequels. Uh, and I think that's been a popular kind of course of events for for me, at least, particularly. I can't speak for, for Aaron or Mike here, but I, I know that I'm not hard to please when it comes to films and film sequels. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there's still the fact that, I mean, I may enjoy them, but there's still the fact that I probably won't enjoy them as much as I did the original. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like, just because I didn't enjoy it as much as the original, that this is a bad movie. Well, in some cases, it is a bad movie, though, and that's okay. In some cases, it is, yes. In, in some cases, it is a bad movie. Like, I've said this before, uh, to go back to the, the discussion about the Fast and the Furious films. Um, I love them. Never seen them in theaters. I got the worst death glare ever when I mentioned to a co-worker that they were not thinking man's movies. And that is not, like, I'm not talking shit on the Fast and the Furious as a franchise. It's just not a thinky movie. Like, It's like the Transformers movies. It's just, no, I can't. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, to say that, um, 
to say that the Fast and the Furious are thinking man's movies is like just wow. Um, they're about fast cars and hot women. That's and that's all they need to be about. Like I don't care. <laughs> Not every movie needs to have some emotionally moving plot or you know touch yeah. you to your very soul. No, and there was a there was a discussion about that because uh, I think they said it was Martin Scorsese that said that Marvel films were the death of real cinema because they had become about spectacle and you know they were more like amusement park rides and. I can understand that statement and I get it because these movies are making buku bucks. So studios are willing to throw money at these spectacle films and these, these film series that result from these spectacles more so than they would be to throw money at say like a well plotted out, well thought, well directed like drama, you know, that is. I mean, but they're still coming uh, out, right? Yeah. I mean, they still make them. So I mean, it's not like, yes, there's a market for those 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 eye candy movies and those blockbuster movies, but I mean, it doesn't. It's not the whole market. COVID has definitely changed a bit of how people prioritize movies, and that might have that might have hurt some of those less guaranteed things. But they're they're still coming out with them. COVID kicked the film industry square in the cojones. Like that's that's all there is to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it that. And but maybe he threw out one just a moment ago. Uh, the Underworld franchise. Oh, that one's pretty big that, too. That's another franchise I think that's gone on for like two two movies too many at least. Um, one. I mean, it, I think they resolved everything fine at the end of the first one. Dude well, was super powerful. He was a vampire werewolf. Yeah, they could have ended it at one. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they had to do at least the second film because of the way the first film ended. That was very sequel baity. Um, well, that was that's the point. They could have ended it at one easily, but then they baited it with Marcus. Um, but you want to talk about on the subject of the Underworld franchise and movies that the original was better than the sequel. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I present you with The Crow. The Crow, which is easily my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I have a copy there. Based on one of my favorite comic books of all time. I'm super grateful to have met James Obar and to have him had autographed my copy of The Crow. It is now one of my prized possessions. It was before that, but even more so now. Um, the sequels to The Crow get progressively worse. Oh, dude. Fourth and, one, man. I just wanted to shoot myself in the fucking head. Um, I think Edward Furlong did too. Uh, <laughs> and like, I don't. Here's the thing. I've watched all four of them. I I will sit down for a crow marathon if anyone's down for it. But I will proceed to make more and more fun of those movies as as we get into the the later sequels. Um, remind me, wasn't two city city of angels? Yeah. Was the one with the they killed his kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was the last one I thought was good. Well, and the reason that I bring up uh, the crow because we were talking about the Underworld series and the main character in Underworld, the the male lead, was a guy by the name of Michael Corvin. For anyone who doesn't know, and this is relevant because the the lead character in the Crow City of Angels was a character by the name of Ash Corvus. Now, 
I don't think anybody remembers these promo materials because they were back from like 1995. But the original uh, city ahead. of I still think that Keanu Reeves needs to change his name to John because he's been John in so many movies. That's true. <laughs> John Wick, definitely John, a John Constantine. Constantine. Not the best Constantine, but not a bad Constantine. I wouldn't no, have minded no. there being a sequel to that one. There might. But they be. didn't. They they didn't get enough, you know, good public, good reception against it, so they never no. made a, a second one. They got pushed back. No, they literally stopped it. They stopped it. They stopped it. No, in general. Oh. It just got stopped. They are. I think they are talking about trying it again. I remember hearing something Maybe a, about a reboot entirely or a oh, remake. They did, they did have a TV trying series. to find a new Constantine. They yeah, did a, they did have a Constantine TV series, and I think that was well received, which might have sparked some new interest in another movie. I loved it. I don't care if anybody else hated it. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So, well, I mean, it's probably very similar to that Helsing TV series too, wasn't it? But I mean, look, look at it this way, though. I mean. John John isn't very very hard to impress. I mean, he likes you know Freddy Krueger. So I mean, how hard is it to impress him? <laughs> hey, uh, the dumpster be, fire bad guy, you know. I mean, come on, like shit. I mean, it's it's Wolverine without the skeleton. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> blow me, blow me. <laughs> so I had a thought on a movie that um that didn't really need a sequel, but I did like the second one better. It's but it was definitely a different movie. Uh, Gremlins. Oh, dude, Gremlins, hands down. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Number two was so much better than one. Oh, but it was a different movie, right? It was just so did. different. I mean, and, but I thought that they went a really good way with it. I mean, the first one took place in a house. The second one took place in an entire goddamn building. Yeah. Uh, the skyscraper of the future and Gremlins, because they're supposed to be messing up, mucking up technology. Hey. That spider gremlin was creepy as shit, I'll, I'll say. Oh, fuck yeah. And that's, Ooh, uh, that's they got into all the DNA things. Nightmare. That was... Nightmare fuel. It was good. And I think, didn't no, the female I, yeah, gremlin end up surviving okay. at the end of that? Yes, oh. because she slept with that president or CEO or whatever. So not to, um, not to, to derail the conversation, but just to go back to Constantine for a quick second. Yeah. I can never remember the actor's name that played him in the TV series. Uh, the for for what it's worth, I think the best Constantine was uh, in the TV series. And um, damn it, it was just the there. guy that dropped into uh, the Arrowverse and yeah, helped yeah, out. Yeah, that was oh, dude. Yes, yeah, easily because uh, his name is Matt Ryan. For anyone who doesn't know, um, I I knew him vocally because he was the voice of Edward Kenway. And Assassin's Creed for Black Flag, which is my one of my favorite games in the franchise. Um, but if you if you've seen the show and you haven't read the comics, um, just look up an image of John Constantine. It's fucking Matt Ryan. Like that's who it is. Yeah, yeah dude, hands down. Well, what about like the uh, animated movies where they get him to do the voice of Constantine? Oh, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. But- Weird thought, right? Like maybe the guy who's like arguably the best Constantine does the voice of the character in all the animated adaptations. Well, you never know. I mean, they might have done something. Well, I mean, yeah, because yeah, I've seen some of them and they were they were good. So I, they, I agree there. Yeah, I haven't seen the TV show. 
Oh, dude, no. Um, it's available on the CWC because NBC canceled it because they're fucking insane. Um, but it's available on the CWC, so you can watch it on the CW app. Anyone who has not seen it, watch it. It's worth watching. Correct. Yes. Yes. They are free to watch. We are not being sponsored. Sorry. No, we're, we're not sponsored by the CWC or really anybody for this matter. Um, so on that note, if you're listening and you would like to, please. Con- <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> for the, I don't know, like a handful of subscribers. Wait, we've got we've got traffic. We're going. We're getting there. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I'm just um, living a bit. That's on, it. On the traffic end, I appreciate you listening from Germany. <laughs> our our single Germany listener. I appreciate. Yeah. When when we looked at our analytics, we did find there was a listener in Germany. Um, whoever you are, thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for for listening. Spawn, then. Oh, or, Katie brings up Spawn. Oh, you know they they've been talking about doing a reboot of Spawn for a while, and I think that the reboot for Spawn is going to be great. Todd McFarlane is like directly involved in every oh, aspect make a, of the huge difference. Yeah, I, I like the original Spawn, the movie Spawn. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean. It, I never did read the, the graphic or the graphic novels, so I don't know if it was really true to the original vision. There are aspects of that film that are done well, and there are aspects of that film that are done horribly. Um. They do hit a lot of the basic plot points, right, of the earlier Spawn comics, because they're basing it off of, I, I want to say it's like the first 50 issues of Spawn or whatever. Um, so, like Al Simmons does, you know, is a Special Forces operative that is is murdered in the line of duty and comes back from from hell, like onto Earth to see his wife again and his tricks, you know, into returning. I think it's like 10 years after he died. So his wife is remarried and has a child and all that stuff. And it's all designed to torture him into doing what hell needs him to do in order to jumpstart the apocalypse. So the plot is like on point. Visually, I don't think it was horrible. I don't think the special effects hold up very well. Um, it wasn't horribly cast. I think John Leguizamo as clown was like great. Uh, I, I love that. Love the character. I thought it was proper comic relief. Uh, I think he did a great job. But I do think they, I think they messed up in a couple of areas. Yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Spawn was PG-13. Spawn easily should have been a hard R. Yeah, well, that um, was at the time when, when all movies were really shy on putting an R rating on a movie. Well, especially comic movies, because comic films were still, like, seen as the purview of, like, kids and, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's when the, the original X-Men's were coming out, and they were all PG-13. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the uh, the X-Men films. I don't have the patience to talk but about. Now, I mean, what we got, New Mutant, which is R, I believe. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm going to. That looks pretty good. I mean, and, I mean, Deadpool, comic uh, R movie. Wolverine came out with an R movie. Well, you mean after um, after X-Men Origins butchered Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds fought and kicked teeth to get the Deadpool movie released. Yeah. But um and and that's another another thing about sequels because 
you run into certain issues with franchise films. You know, talk about the Marvel Universe movies. You run into issues where, like, the X-Men are Marvel characters, and they're in the purview of Marvel, and some of them take, you know, take part in the events that are alluded to in some of these films. But because of licensing, they can't be used in the films. Like, when they did Civil War, um, you know, Wolverine and the X-Men in particular were, were very important in the Civil War comic event. But because, you know, the X-Men were owned by 20th Century Fox at the time, they had the film rights, Marvel could not use, like, the X-Men in the Civil War film. They got away with using Spider-Man because they came to an agreement with Sony. Sony owns the film rights to Spider-Man. Um, so that's the thing. Yeah, which well, I think actually, is a good idea for them because, I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's really vitalized Spider-Man. And there's uh, a certain friend of mine who hated the Venom movie because of the fact that it did not feature Spider-Man. It, it couldn't, by definition, be tied to the MCU because of licensing. And, um, the the that, second one, I believe, is going to have Spider-Man. Well, then he'll, uh, he'll be happier, I, I hope. I mean, um, it might. It's definitely going to have Carnage, but I yeah. don't know if it's going to have Spider-Man. And Woody Harrelson's playing, uh, playing Cass- uh, Cassidy, which is going to be I'm, great. I'm gonna looking be forward to Venom, too. That looks that yeah. looked really good. That'll be that'll be pretty dope. Uh, although on the subject of Spider-Man movies, I do think it's worth noting that the best Spider-Man film to come out wasn't even a live-action film. It was it was animated. You're into oh, the, the Spider-Verse, <laughs> dude. You're gonna tell me it wasn't a fucking great movie? I haven't what seen movie? it. You haven't? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Why are we still recording this podcast? Go watch it in the Spider-Verse. It's on Netflix. Go watch it right now. What's wrong with you? I don't have Netflix anymore. Disney Plus. Is it on Disney Plus? I do have Disney Plus. I'll, I'll go watch it. So Just so that I can calm John down from that look of consternation that he had there. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of amazed with you right now. Like, not going to lie. If he shit a pine cone, I don't think we'd get the same face. <laughs> I think it'd be, it'd be a, a much more relaxed face than what he put on there. <laughs> well, I think I'd be dealing with my bleeding asshole at that point. Thanks. <laughs> well, at least it comes out a little smoother. It's, you know, just hydrating. A little extra lubrication. Oh, <laughs> Y'all are terrible. Y'all are terrible. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, to get back to the, the discussion of sequels being better than the original film, uh, a lot of the times, like you said, uh, the original film's your introduction. Um, to to talk about uh, some films where the sequels I don't think did as well at all, uh, let's let's go Indiana Jones real quick. Uh, I don't know. Uh, how, how about I step on one that's a little further in, action-wise? Okay. Die Hard. This one was great. I think some of them sequels did better. Hmm. I haven't Sorry. seen too many of the Die Hard sequels. I mean, I haven't watched Die Hard itself in a long time. It's been a while, but I I do remember the first one more there. Well, I, I mean, guess that's... for me, Speed. Remember Speed? Oh, yeah. Speed Two was like, uh, Speed. Wasn't yeah. Speed Two a cruise ship or something? Yeah, they were on a fucking yeah. boat. Like how? Speed Two Cruise Control. With like speed, speed six is like they're standing on an iceberg. I think Family Guy did a joke about that. Yeah, Family Guy did one. It's like if the space goes, if the space more than one mile a year, we're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But um, yeah, no, I mean, like 
the, uh, the Indiana Jones franchise, right? I loved Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, um, and this is another one of those things I'm going to get crucified online. So like send your hate mail my way. I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, come at me, bro. Uh, did not care for Temple of Doom. Not going to lie. Temple of Doom had its points. I, I kind of have to agree. Kalima. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I comparatively like Temple of Doom is still a good movie, right? I'm not saying it's a bad film, and it, it is iconic, because a lot of the stuff you associate with Indiana Jones came from Temple of Doom. Like, the, the, the traps and the, the giant boulder and shit, that was all Temple of Doom, dude. Um, but compared to Raiders, Temple was lackluster. Oh, yeah. I like The Last Crusade. The Last Crusade was fantastic. I love The Last Crusade. I think... Uh, I think... More than Raiders of the Lost Ark, I mean, The Last Crusade is is good, but you do need another Indiana Jones before that so that you can get introduced to the character because it's it's yeah. making fun of a lot of the things that that Indiana Jones does because he's he's with his dad. It's yeah. just kind of that counterplay, and you don't get that if that's the first instance where you see Indiana Jones. But I still think it was one of the better movies. I would rate that above the other ones, but I'd still want to watch one of the other ones first so that I could get the most out of The Last Crusade. And then there's that movie we're not allowed to talk about, apparently. Uh, it's been decreed. Because that is a dumpster fire, and it shouldn't have even happened. Uh, well, I'm not going to go there. There's a conversation to be had there. I'm not going to speak. I mean, they were really pushing towards creating a whole new sequel, um, a whole new trilogy, yeah, right? with yeah. a new Indiana Jones, The Sun. The issue there was to, that, at least. the issue there was that apparently Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf did not work together very well, <laughs> um, and that was around the period of time that Shia went through his like I'm a little bit crazy like stage where he kind of completely lost his mind for a while. He was going to like red carpet premieres with a bag on his face that says I'm not famous yep. anymore and shit like that. And for what it's worth, uh, Shia LaBeouf's awesome. I, I love the dude. Like if he's listening to this, like Shia, let's hang out. Like. I would totally chill out with you and have a couple of drinks and you can grab Alan Cummings ass in front of me all you want. I think it'd be great. Uh, <laughs> um, like, cause I, I love, now, I will admit, I will admit you, you, you watch that movie. There's a few things that he brought to it that nobody else even bothered to think about. I'm sitting there. Like when you would cut to him and he'd just be sitting there playing with that knife. Hmm. That was actually him. He nobody told him to do that. That's just something he just sat there and did. No, that that's Shia being Shia. Like, and I thought and that was just something he did. He brought that up. They saw him doing that. We're like, go ahead, just just run with it. Yeah, no, it, it worked. It worked for the character. So, like, he ran yeah. with it. And I think that was great. Uh, there are a lot of other issues with that film, right? But for what it's worth, like on its face, I feel like Crystal Skull had everything you really needed to have in an Indiana Jones movie. There was treasure. There was an adventure. We had Harrison Ford. We, there was a explosions. There was a temple. There was a fucking sword fight. Like, what more do you want in an adventure? Yeah, but well, the thing is, is that they added a, that. That's fine. They hit the minimum requirements, and then they just started adding extras. They didn't need aliens. They didn't no, they need super didn't. technology. They didn't need aliens. I will. I will give you that. And no, 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 no. Let's like straighten this out. They're they're not aliens. They're interdimensional beings. 
for context for our listeners, they had to be interdimensional beings because Spielberg would not do the movie if they said the word aliens. Yeah. Um, yeah. They didn't need they didn't internet they didn't need interdimensional beings. They didn't need aliens. If it would have just been a Nazi plot to pick up another weapon of some some mystical significance, fine. Which, by the way, we we did get the the prelude of hey, you just hit the ark and just drove off. But, but then that. it would have Aaron. If they had done that, it would have been the Phantom. <laughs> would have been. Billy Zane in a purple suit with two 1911 Colts shooting pirates. <laughs> okay, let me, let me just prelude this because it was brought up. A completely different franchise on a completely different TV series. We all need to just put it out there. <sighs> that second Indiana Jones movie didn't actually need to exist. Uh, you talk about Temple of Doom? Oh, that was number oh, one. No, Raiders of the Ark is his thing. Raiders didn't actually have to happen at all. Indiana Jones, Jones was completely worthless to that plot. Yeah. He yeah. did nothing. They did a whole episode of The Big Bang Theory where they explained that Indy was not integral to the plot of the lo- the Raiders of the Lost Ark at all. And then, any way, shape, or form. Yeah, he could have just not been there and nothing would have happened differently. The yeah. Nazi <laughs> The only thing that would have changed would have been that the Ark would have just been stuck in some canyon in the middle of nowhere compared to a warehouse in the middle of nowhere. There would have been, like, a a mountain of dead Nazis around it. Um, Yeah. Which, by the by, I I love those films. I love Raiders. I enjoyed that very much. But I did think that the ending was completely out of nowhere. Apparently there's a scene that was cut from the film that explains why you're not supposed to look in the arc, like why you don't open it or whatever. But that, that scene didn't make it into the final cut of the movie. So if you watch the film, there's no explanation for one, why you don't the Nazis own the, open the arc and two, why Indy knows to not look. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I remember uh, seeing that cutscene that you're talking about. Yeah. They're saying something. But, I mean, also, anybody from, like, who's up on their Christian mythology would have known not to to look at it. Mm, well, I, I wasn't at the time, so. Because <laughs> I, I believe in the Bible or something. It's like that that people looking at the ark or, or you know that it, that was opened or being too close to it hell being too close to it was enough to just be incinerated smited yeah but see even if that's the case like even if you would know that being up on your biblical knowledge right i think it's bad writing to not include that's true right because your audience doesn't know well because that's a Chekhov's gun that's something that's introduced in act 1 of the film that affects act three of the film. So it, it's, you know, it's an integral plot point. That's information that the audience needs. Because like you say, your audience doesn't necessarily know like the Bible. What if you're playing that film in China where there's not a whole lot of Christians, you know? That's <laughs> um, true. And yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, that they should have added it, but. I mean, they cut it for whatever reason they cut it for. Sure. I mean, time. Really, I mean, I because I, I I didn't see anything wrong with the scene what, that I watched, so no. I'd have to be that they were just like, got to cut something, and it's like, it's like a minute or two of of dialogue, you know, of of 
Now you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about sequels that are not as good as the first film in the franchise, and um, t- this is sort of going back to the horror thing from *Dust Till Dawn*. Oh, dude! Every every from *Dust Till Dawn* sequel just gets worse and worse and worse. I mean, what was it at the end of the at the end of the bank robbery one? What the fuck do vampires need with money? They don't like they just you know they were feeding on truckers and bikers for you know centuries or whatever. The first one, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. The first one was good. I liked the From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. I don't know if I've even watched the other ones because it was just it just happened out. to get that one group of people that just happened to be the biggest wrench you would ever seen, and it just fucked up the whole program. And that is another one of those infinitely quotable films that I love. By the way, um, oh, yes. <laughs> and let's let's face it, my favorite guy ends up with like four parts in this movie. <laughs> Cheech Marin, or <laughs> separate to like, is there such a shortage of Mexican actors that we have to have Cheech Marin play four separate? I'm, I'm, not that I hate Cheech Marin, because I don't. I love the guy. Yeah, I love it. It was hilarious. But he's, he, I think he's the Border Patrol inspector. He's the uh, the dude out in front of the titty twister, and then he's like the 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 mob boss guy at the end. So he's like three people in this one film. You know, like. I get it. There aren't a whole lot of big name Mexican actors out there, but like, wasn't was George Lopez busy? Like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, George Lopez was a thing at that point. Well, yeah, but they could have made him a thing. Like, you couldn't tell me he wasn't out in the '90s trying to look for work out in Hollywood. Like, what, what was his name? What, what, what's what's dude's name? Machete. What's his name? Yeah, I was just thinking him. I don't know, John. He was a resident actor named dude. Yeah, because I mean, they Machete. pulled him into the Predators movie. Colombian cartel pulled him in as a Colombian cartel. He's very like, grizzled. I could, yeah, I could see him being the boss at the end. I mean, but that's right. That, that's another infinitely quotable movie. Um, you know, from *Dust Till Dawn*. I, I love, the, I love a lot of the lines in that movie. You know, like, I don't believe in vampires. I believe in what I saw, and what I saw was fucking vampires. <laughs> right. You know, I, I love shit like that. The stabbing the heart with the pencil. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> by the way, another uh, another fantastic performance by Tom Savini as the infinitely lovable, everyone's favorite biker, Sex Machine. Uh, he, he's got a great story around the uh, the crotch gun that was in that movie, too, by the way. Also appears in Desperado. Uh, was, I think it was Desperado or Once Upon a Time in Mexico, um, which is another sequel. I never saw the first movie in that series. I never saw El Mariachi. I've seen Desperado, love Desperado, have Desperado, have a copy of it, watch it all the time. It's a great film. Seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico, love that movie, great movie. But I've never seen El Mariachi, and that's the first one of the trilogy. Well, maybe you should. Yeah, if, if somebody knows where I can find it, like, I'd love to sit down and watch that. It'd be great. Online. Um, Technically, wasn't there a movie <laughs> that occurred before From Dust Till Dawn? Led into it to, From Dust Till Dawn? Um, well, one of the sequels, like a lot of the sequels take place earlier. I think there was, uh, Texas. No, no, no. There's, there's supposed to be a movie based around the brothers doing the, the, the bank robbery. Oh, you mean like, uh, uh, on the brothers gecko and all that stuff they were doing. Like, I think there was technically one of those movies is what this leads into. I think that's what that was supposed to end up being. I, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I'm gonna have to look that up to be well, sure, I, but I, I know that's was what a- it was supposed to be. I haven't watched the TV series. I think I saw like one or two episodes of it. I know Wilmer Vilderama was in it. Uh, 
for for our listeners, that's Fez. Fez from that seventy show. Uh, I'll pass. My, that was my shitty uh, Fez impression. <laughs> it sounded more like um, the dude from Office Space. Where's my stapler? My 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 stapler. My stapler. It's a red twenty nine stapler. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Mike Judge from uh, Beavis and Butthead fame. Actually, he's better known for King of the Hill these days. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm I'm old. Okay, I watch Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> ah, the yesteryears of Ren and Stimpy. Ah, yeah, yeah, Spumco. Yep. That was uh, Bob Camp and John Chris Falusi. I've met Bob Camp, by the way. While we're on that subject, uh, I go to a lot of conventions, and he was at uh, Cherry Capital Con some years back. So I met Bob Camp. And to tie back to uh, an earlier discussion, uh, I always like to get prints from artists at conventions. I got a print from Bob Camp signed by him of a Nightmare on Elm Street themed Ren and Stimpy. So <laughs> I've seen this. I can That'd be pretty cool look. Apparently, he did it for Wes Craven at another convention they were at together. So he 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 did it like Wes Craven had the original. Um, I, remember, I said, I can confirm this. It is yeah. legitimate. Yeah, that's the thing. I have it. It's signed. Um, so what other sequels do we got? Well, I mean, there's a lot of franchises that have carried on for, for film after film. Um, you know, we could do a whole podcast on the Star Wars sequels and prequels. You know, yeah. uh, you know we, can, we can talk about those. We can talk about, you know, uh, the Karate Kid movies. Oh, oh yeah, Karate Kid movies. You bring up remakes of the Karate Kid, and I love those films. Uh, I, I love the uh, the original Karate Kids, like Ralph Macchio is great. Uh, love oh, yeah. Pat Morita, you know, fantastic. And I'm not gonna hate on the Jaden Smith Karate Kid. The only thing I have to say about that film was it should not have been called the Karate Kid. You do not make a film set in China where a child learns Chinese martial arts and call it the Karate Kid. That is, like, blatantly tone deaf. Blatantly. Don't get me wrong. Love Jackie Chan. The movie was, you know, great. The action scenes were good. But it wasn't karate. It was kung fu. I'm not going to lie. I was trying to get the same name. Yeah. I did like their... The way they gave him a background that actually, you know, now you understand why Miyagi is is more temperamental Mm-mm. this time around. I, I like the background we have this time around, opposed to just before. Yes, his 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 what was it? Wife and son or wife and kid died in a car crash. He's rebuilding the car. By the time he finishes rebuilding the car in a year, he literally beats this car to death again. He fucking destroys it just to rebuild it year after year. Whereas in the original film, uh, in the original series, uh, Miyagi was a World War II vet. His wife and child died in childbirth. So that was that was Miyagi's big sad story and how he wound up being, you know, this lonely old dude doing it's like make cars, doing make. <laughs> Well, let's he own like was junkyard kind of thing in front of his house, I guess. 
Owns eight cars. All of them are, are old school renovations. He was literally on the other side of the tracks, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, but yeah, that, that was there was a series of films that I think uh, we we got our three with uh, with Pat and Ralph. You know the story yeah. of uh, Miyagi and Daniel's son, uh, which was great. Those were fantastic films. Very eighties movies. Very eighties films. Uh, then you had the next Karate Kid with Pat Morita, and uh, I want to say it was Hillary Swank. I could be wrong on that one. Um, and I think that was a, a decent continuation of it. I'm not going to say that it was bad or anything, but um, the the reboot not a horrible not a horrible film, but shouldn't have been called the Karate Kid. Yes, it was Hillary Swank. I had to double check. I didn't want to be wrong. Ugh. <clears throat> so we want to say horror movies it seems like I'm I'm more for the originals than than the sequels usually. I think the upside I think the upside to horror movies is that because they do so many sequels, they have more of an opportunity to get the sequel right. Yeah. Because well yeah, they can definitely play around and because the horror the horror doesn't have to change the plot, really. I mean no. it's all still the same these people are going to die <laughs> or some, uh, you know, so a percentage of these people are going to die. Yeah. Paul Razor, Freddie, Jason, they're all going to kill a lot of people. Some of them are going to make it out. They're, typically, if you have sex or you're doing drugs or any combination thereof, you're likely to get well, killed. That was big on Jason, yeah. right? Hey, yeah. If you saw some boobs, that person was dead. And that the was, person they're playing was, with was dead. That was back when movies had a, a hard R rating for a reason. Like, if a film was rated R in the 80s, there was, like, sex, like, as in, like, tits and ass, or, like, brutal violence within the first 10 minutes. Uh, so. Yeah. They wanted to earn that R rating. Right, yeah, no, the, the, uh. Hey, I, think it's I the will never forget the sound of hearing somebody get folded up in a fucking bed. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Was so gruesome, just <laughs> oh man, so bad. dude's feet are up next to his ears. It was a dud. Um, there there are certain franchises that sequels we knew were going to happen, but there was no way they were going to meet expectations. I, I yeah. bring bring you back. I keep trying to I keep trying to go down this road. We're gonna go down the Star Wars road just for a quick second, um, because the prequels happened years after the original trilogy. Everybody loved the original trilogy of films, but the prequels were what they were, and there was no way they were going to meet up with the you know the twenty some odd years of hype that had happened beforehand. The same thing with the sequel trilogy, you know, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and I think they screwed up those because they had different writers and directors on each film. It's possible they did have J.J. Abrams come back for The Rise of Skywalker, and. This is where I say I'm easy to please. And I, this is another one of those things I'm going to say that's going to get me crucified by our listeners, and I'm okay with it. I didn't hate the sequel trilogy. I didn't despise those films. And that is a topic that I will go into deeper in another podcast and another topic that we're going to touch in the not-too-distant future, I hope. So I won't go any further into it than that, but to say I didn't hate the sequel films. And I know that I'm going to catch shit for it, and that's the whole topic. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. but I, can, I can actually 
can agree because I didn't I didn't exactly hate them. They were fine. I mean, the first the first film is very obviously a uh, a, a send up of A New Hope. You know, you have another group of rebels. You have another you know another evil imperial sort of element loosely based on Nazis, and you have another giant super weapon that has to be destroyed. That is beat for beat A New Hope, and that was the idea. They wanted to show the fan base that they could do this and show it some love and be respectful to it. And I can get that. I get behind that. Uh, We also had the old mentor die. Yeah. Yeah. That was another one. Uh, Han Solo dies. Uh, Spoilers for the the Force Awakens. If you haven't haven't seen it by now, as has become the... uh, as has become the norm for me when I say you haven't seen this by now, what are you doing? Go watch it. Uh, Disney plus, right? <laughs> yeah. Available on Disney plus. I have them all on Blu-ray, but another, another Disney plug, please. Disney, <laughs> we're here. Disney, <laughs> help us out. <clears throat> or please, no, when it comes down to it, we, yeah, Disney just has such a big broad, amount of product there, right? I mean, they've got the Marvel movies, they've got the Star Wars movies. That's a they, nice way of saying Disney owns everything. <laughs> Although, that's a good point as well to bring up. Disney loves doing their sequels just for their Disney movies. Well, but uh, yeah. a lot of the time for those, those go straight to video because they already know it ain't going to hit the, yeah, the amount that they want. Well, I mean, look at the animation quality. I'll give you an example of that. Um, Aladdin. Right? One of my favorite Disney films of all time. I love that movie. Um, the sequel, Return of Jafar, uh, the animation quality was a lot lower. Uh, they couldn't get Robin Williams back. There was a whole legal dispute revolving around that. There's a whole thing there. Great videos around it. Uh, I refer everyone to Lindsay Ellis again, who does a lot of great videos on these topics. So look that up. Check her out. Um, but Return of Jafar... Not as good animation-wise. I don't think the storytelling was quite there. The effects were kind of weak compared to the first film. But, I mean, look at the, look at the amount of expense involved in making animated movies, too, back in the, back in the mid-'90s, you know, because it was all hand-painted. They were all hand-painted oh, yeah. animation cells, and everything was done, you know, bit by bit. So, I mean, it was very expensive to produce. And, I mean, I can't fault Disney for the quality of those movies. You know, the Disney Renaissance is a thing for a reason. Um, you know, so what if they whip them out of, you know, Koreans for basically no money? <laughs> I mean, look at what they did with the third movie out of that series. Yeah, yeah. Which was essentially like an advertisement for the TV show they were making at the time. Um, True. And it they worked. did bring back Robin Williams. Yeah, that was because the, the whole legalese thing had been settled. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and they they wanted you to know when they advertised that movie that Robin Williams was back. Like it, he's like on the cover. Like Robin Williams is the genie. It's a big to do. Like they made a. Well, he was play. he was a very excellent cast choice for mm-hmm. the genie. He he played it really well. He he made a lot of that movie. He was. And yeah. You know what sold him on doing that film? Uh, just a little bit of uh, behind the scenes knowledge. The animators took one of his original stand-up routines and and animated it with him as the genie doing a stand-up bit, and they played it for uh, I think it was the execs at the time that they showed it to, and they're like, "We need Robin Williams to play this character, and this is why." And they were like, "Okay, go get him." <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I remember hearing about that. I like, I'd love in to fact, see that. Uh, you can see that. You can. You can see that. I think it's anyway. available on YouTube. On the subject of things that are available on YouTube and, and sequels, um, to bring up a, another fan favorite series, uh, Shrek, right? Okay. Shrek, Shrek was almost a very different movie, okay? Because the, uh, the voice of Shrek, you know, the, the Shrek that we Mike know, Myers, right? Mike Myers, almost wasn't Shrek. The original casting choice for Shrek that they did, uh, uh, they did a couple of introductions was Chris Farley. If you look around, I, I believe, again, it's available on YouTube. You can find Chris Farley doing animatics as the original voice of Shrek. It was almost a very different movie because of that. Yeah, he would definitely play it differently. But it was, all, it was also almost a very different movie with Mike Myers doing it. Because when Mike Myers did his first read-through, it was just, you know, like a regular voice. And when they were just about done with the, the VO production on that film, he asked the, uh, the voice director if he could redo a take with like the Scottish accent that Shrek is known for. And the director loved it so much. They went back and redid all of his lines. So there I found it. That's a Robin Williams, uh, initial Disney sketch, whatever. Okay, you'll, you'll have to send that to me, because if, if I've seen it already, I'd love to watch it again, because who doesn't love Robin Williams? Yeah, I think uh, I read it on Reddit, and then found the link, and yeah, it was good. Yeah, Reddit, that's real, that's real clever. I like the way that they came up with that. <laughs> Reddit on Reddit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like, Disney's really big for sequels, uh, and th there are some movies that get sequels that did not need them. Um, matter of fact, most of the uh, the Disney animated sequels were. Yeah, Disney. I feel Disney sequels definitely a lot of those are not up to snuff compared to. The they would have been fine as standalone movies. Uh, the Lion King didn't need a, a sequel. We didn't need Simba's Pride. I, I like Mulan. Mulan, Mulan good. Uh, I could have done without the Mulan sequels. Uh, I could have done without the Fox and the Hound getting a sequel. I love the, I love those films. Love the Fox mm -hmm. and the Hound. Didn't need a sequel. Um. Lady and the Tramp didn't need a sequel. Uh, you know. Pocahontas. Pocahontas. I could see where there was still a story there because the real life Pocahontas did stuff beyond what we saw in the film. So I kind of get that being a sequel because she does <coughs> go to England and she does meet John Rolfe and all that stuff really did happen. I mean, yeah. not in the, the same time. I'm not going to lie. I appreciate that they made her an older person. Because that would have been super creepy if it would have been her legitimate age. What, you mean because the real Pocahontas was like 12 and the real John Smith was in his 40s when they met? Like Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of things that they did. But that's, that's a whole other conversation about cultural appropriation in films in the 90s and stuff. Because Disney was really big on that. They've gotten better since then. You look at well, stuff like... you're going to talk about that. I mean, Lion King. I mean, everyone's always saying that Lion King is just a straight ripoff of the Japanese movie. Yeah. You, mean, you mean Kimba the White Lion? There you go. Um, Which I haven't seen, but I've just, I, I hear that all the time. It, it is very similar. Uh, Kimba's a much older like film, though. The animation quality is not up to snuff compared to the True. Lion. But well, Disney put a lot more money at that stuff. Than, yeah. Uh, you know. Hold on, Bob. They had a bigger company to do that stuff. 
That being said, I thought when you were saying Lion King was a ripoff, I thought you were going to say it's a ripoff of Hamlet because it is. It's absolutely a ripoff of Hamlet. Um, True. And well, and then that that comes up to like there is no such thing as an original idea anymore. Okay, yeah. going going to going to that point, I I, I do want to point this out because I, I noticed it. I don't know if anybody else has. I'm pretty sure I've said it to John at least once. Um, Avatar, not the Bender, the Blue People. Yeah, the the, the cameras. James, James Cameron. Cameron yeah. James Cameron took another movie, and I promise you, this makes sense if you if you actually stop to think about it. Pocahontas he took Pocahontas. Made it a three-hour movie on a different planet. That was all oh, he yeah. did. Blue aliens think, that have sex the with their hair. hair. Yeah. Know, think about the way it goes. White people arrive on this this new place. Mm. Same thing. They came to a new planet. Hey, we want to be here. We want your shit. Same thing with the white folk. It has a very clear environmentalist message, too. It's, it's literally the same thing. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to the way everything falls out the exact same way all the way towards the end guy almost kills john Pocahontas has to step in yeah the yeah. end of the movie no our, yeah, guy sure. dies. our guy almost dies the chief's the, the princess has to step in and kill him like, yeah it's there i was uh that was zoe saldana i believe if i'm not mistaken yeah now is that also similar to the Dances with Wolves movie. Kevin, Co- wow, you're going deep. Kevin Costner and Dances with Wolves. Uh, I don't, I don't I mean, know. There's a plot to Dances with Wolves. You know, I know of it. I don't think I've ever seen it. Because well, I'm making that reference because Avatar has also been compared to, in South Park, the Dances with Smurf movie, which was just a ripoff of the Dances with Wolves movie. So I was wondering if that was probably because I, I I knew of Pocahontas and Avatar one, but that seemed to indicate that Avatar also was a ripoff of Dances with Wolves. God, but That's how? I'm, but, I'm gonna have to look that one up. I've never heard that one. I'll have to look up that one. Because that's <clears throat> all right. That seems like that might be something interesting. First to look Lieutenant at. John J. Dunbar is wounded in battle at St. David's Field in Tennessee. Choosing death in battle over amputation of his foot, he takes a horse and rides up along the Confederate lines. Confederate forces fire repeatedly at him and miss, and the Union Army takes advantage of the distraction to mount a successful attack. Dunbar receives both a citation for bravery and medical care that allows him to keep his foot. He is subsequently awarded Cisco, the horse that carried him during a suicide attempt, and his choice of posting. Request a transfer to the front western frontier, uh, so we can see it before it disappears. Um, Ford is deserted. Um, For our listeners, he just basically read the first paragraph of the Wikipedia article. Yeah. Because I was Let's looking at the Sioux camp attempt dialogue. The white adopted daughter of the tribe's medicine man rescues a girl, establishes rapport, then there's language problems, they overcome those. At least he used the word rapport properly and he didn't try to say rapper. 
I'll make a note of that so I can do that next time. <laughs> you putz. So he develops a growing rap heart. And... Rapparte. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he he slowly gets what? used to their lifestyle and culture, and then the U.S. eventually comes in to try and fight, and the Sioux fight back, and they win. Um, and then Dunbar goes with them. So yeah, I I, I could see a lot of that. I could see where there are similar story beats. Sure. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say. It's I could say it's I could say it's as close as Pocahontas. Yeah, I mean, I could see the, I could see similar story beats. I don't, I'm not going to say it's one to one analogous, but I, I get it. I'd, like I said, I'd have to look deeper into it. I'm pretty sure somebody's done a video on it. And that's yeah. probably another movie that's gotten 17 sequels that it didn't need. Uh, <laughs> what dances with wolves? Dances with wolves too. Even more dances with more wolves. <laughs> dances um, with wolves three. The dancing. <laughs> <laughs> dances with f- wolves four. Two left feet. <laughs> well, that's, that's where uh, I like that. One, that's where your series has gone too far. Where instead of numbering entries, they have like subtitles beneath them. You know, um, give an example: uh, the Child's Play franchise, right? Child's Play. To go back to horror films, because that's where a lot of this is very prevalent. You had Child's Play one, two, three, and then you got into like Bride of Chucky. And like seed of Chucky and cult of Chucky, you know, like can we can we just like let it go? If you can't number it anymore, like it's time to be done. Child's uh, play was good. Well, and that's the thing, that's one of those that I like the later sequels to that than the original. Well, I mean that I think that's where the the film franchise sort of changed gears because Child's Play, the first film at least, was meant to be a straightforward horror film. It's a little bit campy because of the voodoo aspect, sure, but it is meant to be like a straight-up horror movie. And by the time we get to, you know, Bride of Chucky, it's a horror comedy. Yeah. And that's very clear. Well, that's what you see a lot of horror horror series do, too, as they transition from horror to horror comedy. Because it's hard to be able to to instill that same kind of horror in something that everybody knows what's going to happen already. Look at the Evil Evil Dead franchise for what that's worth. Um, You know, Sam Raimi, Evil Dead, Bruce Campbell, terrific actor. Yeah, but that was that was made that way. It wasn't made as a like a a creepy, scary. There was joke that was meant to be. Well, the first Evil Dead was definitely horror and a very straightforward horror film. Uh, Army of Darkness is a completely different can of worms. And they had one movie in between. That one, that one, that that you can see the biggest spectrum. Evil Dead One was very much a horror movie evil dead 2 was still a horror movie but had a little bit more camp to it more funny stuff horror stuff and then evil dead 3 army of darkness was so far not a horror anymore like it was completely not a horror yeah, we don't talk about evil dead 2 because there were some hiccups with that film uh but yeah it was that one I, i've never seen a series go from horror to horror comedy or just straight comedy, you know, just to just within completely different film. movie. Yeah, with it within one film. Um well, I mean look look at the way the, the, the three stooges moment played out with that one. <laughs> Fucking skeletons hitting him and shit. Like, yeah. Now that being said, I enjoyed Army of Darkness. Oh yeah. But I don't have an army a copy of Army of Darkness. I have a copy of Evil Dead. 
Do you have the new Evil Dead? I did like the new one, the remake that they did of that. I, no, I have the original Evil Dead. I did like the remake of Evil Dead. It wasn't bad. I think they did some good things well there. And I, I think that the little... Uh, wow, I can English. Like They did good well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, words are hard. I think the little introduction of Bruce Campbell at the end of it was kind of neat. I don't know what they were building toward with that, but I did think it was cool. Um, and I, I enjoyed the film overall. I, I liked the character designs and the way the characterization was done. I liked that the Ash in the new Evil Dead was a woman, too. You know, yay, I'm a proud feminist. Not really. Uh, You're an equal opportunity. Yes, I'm an egalitarian. <laughs> Thank you for yeah, you clarifying. I, um, I'm, I'm for full-on equality, you know, across the board. And that's, that's egalitarianism. That's not feminism. No matter what a third wave intersectional feminist tries to tell you, they're discussing egalitarianism and egalitarian ideals. And if they say they're not, and if they say that's feminism, they're fucking wrong. Well, it depends. I mean, they may be pushing for more, more, more than equal for feminine or for for females, and then yeah, that is yeah, exactly that's yeah. That's okay. A whole different how about how about I just how about I just sum this up real easy? When I see a woman on the back of a garbage truck. I'll be okay. Oh, dude, I'm all I'm all for it. like women can do everything a man can do, and I'm not, I don't want to yeah. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole right now. If we want to do this in a later, <laughs> if we want to do this in a later just, podcast, I'm all for doing it in a later podcast. But just scratching just at the surface here because we don't want to go too right. deep. Well, <laughs> it's, I mean, gonna get it's it's one of those touchy topics that I know is going to piss a few people off, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. But if we're going to discuss it, then I want to have time to form my thoughts and discuss it properly. Let's just, on the surface of it, right, I want to say that I'm all for full-on equality. Women can do everything that a man can do. I'm not going to sit here and say that there are things that men shouldn't be able Because I got into an argument with a guy I used to work with that was trying to tell me women shouldn't be in, in active combat in the military. And his argument was that uh, women are physically weaker than men, and that's, that's not sexism. That's science. I'm like, no, that, that's, no, that's sexism. Not. He's like, oh, so you're, you're telling me you'd rather have a woman in a foxhole with you than a man? I said, no, I'd rather have a soldier in a foxhole with me than a man. I don't care what their gender is. If they're trained and they know how to fight, I'd rather have them beside me than some redneck with a shotgun that doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'm going to push that one step further. I, I would love it more if he was gay because then he'd be really interested in keeping me alive a little longer. <laughs> Just, no offense. I want somebody who's willing to keep me alive longer. I don't that, care what it takes. If he's got to be gay, make it gay. That all depends on whether or not you have a gag reflex and if you're willing to open your booty. <laughs> These are jokes, folks. Don't take it too seriously. It's a joke, not a dick. Thank don't you. So hard. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to do here. Put some put some laughs in. Come on now, people. Put them tis. Uh, but to uh, to go back on topic, to go back on point a little bit. Uh, yeah, you were you? Talk, you were talking right um, to say that. Evil Dead to Army of Darkness is a, a huge heel turn. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, because both those films are iconic and memorable. Um, there, damn it, there I go doing it again. So, so what you're but saying is... Really just uh, different movies. I mean, really. Yeah. So what you're saying is, Evil Dead was heading north. Or, what was it right? Evil Dead, the original, first one. Yeah. Heading north. Uh, Dead 2 took a, uh, a western front, and then... Yeah. And three was suddenly facing south. It just no, it was more like Evil Dead. The first one was north, and then the second one was kind of like, well, I'm just going to take this trail that's still going north. I mean, it's like, it's like northwest. 
It's not even that far off in north. And then, yeah, Army of Darkness is just like, I'm going to turn around and go the actual opposite direction. Well, for what it's worth, half of Evil Dead 2 was just a, a rehash of the first Evil Dead film. They were, like, showing you what happened in the in the first film again. But that had to do with licensing issues and how, like, Sam Raimi didn't know if he was able to actually do that. So the yeah. Evil Dead 2 was a lot of Evil Dead 1 just retold. Uh, that's, that's, why, that's why I said we don't talk about Evil Dead 2. Not that it's but then you're talking film. Evil Dead 1 and then 2, and then they're so different. I mean, like, they really are just different movies. Well, I mean, like, and they're not related in any way except that the main character has the same name and has the same backstory. Yeah, and you, you could say the same thing about other franchise films, too, like RoboCop. RoboCop was good for that. Uh, the first RoboCop movie was, you know, really brutal and violent, and RoboCop 2 kind of upped oh, the ante. Are you kidding me? Bit. Within the first ten minutes, we just watched him get his shit blew out. <laughs> Poor Peter Weller, I feel so bad for him. They don't tell you, they used live ammunition. He's really dead. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But if you look at the picture that's below the fucking film in my Xbox, it shows a whole new dude. Yeah, no. Good. Red Foreman blew him away. Uh, (laughs) There you go. (laughs) uh, But, no, like, those films got to be campier and campier. And I think that was because Paul Verlander was like finding his filmmaking style a little bit more. And they got to be more sort of, um, can't think of the way to put it. They got to be more on the nose with the fact that they were satire. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they did. it was, it was always mean, satirical from the get, but it was more obviously satire as the film franchise went on. And I think if that... In, uh, military, satirical, has sequels. Um... It's the space bug movie. Yes, Starship Troopers, another Paul, another <laughs> Paul Verlander film. So for what that's worth, well, that makes sense then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's a it's a very thinly veiled uh, fascist Nazi allegory as well too. Um, there's a whole a whole thing to go down a whole rabbit hole there. Honestly, I liked the first one. I'm not gonna lie, the first one was great. Didn't hate it. Didn't hate it. Yeah, I liked the first one. But, well, I mean, actually, no, I was a big fan of the first one. I really liked it, but I mean, I it took me years to watch the sequels, and, and yeah, they're not good at all. Yeah, no. Just those are, no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, those are dumpster fires. Those are, those are cult-following films, though, like the same way that Army of Darkness was a cult film and, like, the Crow films were cult films. Um, they didn't do as well, but they were, you know, they were popular with a certain. You know, I've never seen uh, the Crow films. What the fuck are you doing? It wasn't. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? I just wanted to see. I just wanted to see what happened. He, I he think set me off, and it wasn't me this time. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the first one. I didn't watch any of the sequels or any of that. Um. Well, you know what? I, I'm okay with that because <laughs> that was like the best one. So. Uh, the first- the first one was the best one when it comes to the crow. But what I will say this: I've watched all four of the films. Okay. City of Angels is decent. It's a watchable film. It is the last film Twee Trang did before she was tragically killed in a car crash. Twee Trang's the original Yellow Ranger. For people who don't know, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Ironically enough, they had an Asian play the Yellow Ranger, and they claim it wasn't racist. I don't know if it was racist or not. I do think it was a bit odd. Um. <laughs> But, um, yeah, she, that was her last film. Again, a good movie, and they do pull some references 
to the original book in that film too, so I don't hate it. Yeah. The Crow Salvation was Oh my god. It it wasn't it was hmm. worse than City of Angels, but not as bad as Wicked Prayer. Wicked no, no, Prayer was the worst one. No, I will admit I I between the two, I liked the way they pulled the there was more of a mystery pull down over that third one. Oh yeah, because we were trying to find um the uh, the, the, the arm whole thing, the guy with the the cross scar on his arm. Yeah, I love that. That was great. That 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 little hide kind of did change it a little bit. I like that little piece of the mystery. Yeah. And yes, I'm gonna spoil it. The fact that the sister was able to turn around and bring this dude back to life was fucking hilarious oh yeah and that's kirsten dunst and you know kirsten dunst is a terrific actress uh i've, I've watched her in films since she was very young big fan of interview with the vampire uh on a subject yeah. of sequels that were different from like the the film they were based or you know the the previous film in the series i liked the interview with the vampire over queen of the damned i know mike's gonna give me shit about that but we've talked about it before i know yeah that's another one that they're completely the they're not even related, really. I mean, again, backstory, and that's it. You can't. You have to call those two separate movies. I know they. I have. I have them on on my Audible account. I have those books back. To I was, back. I, you know, they're part of the same series, so don't. I know don't. they're part of the same series, and there's actually, I think three or four. I don't know three or four other books that actually come behind those. Mm. But the way they played that, oh my god. Oh, they shit. Do, they do feel like very different movies, so I, yeah. I won't, I won't now, argue inter- that with you. We'll I admit, only- Interview with a Vampire is based the way it's supposed to be, strictly on what Louie knows. <laughs> that went great. That almost fits perfectly with what's told in the book. Mm-hmm. I love it. But then you turn around and do Queen of the Damned. Queen of the Damned is actually a f- based on the third book, not the second book. Second book is actually um, stat going through his life story. How the fuck it happened to him? I would, uh, I'll tell for you. the record, I would watch a new a new interview with the vampire movie that was an interview from Lestat's perspective. I'd watch that. That would be a film I would check out. Um, he actually wrote a book. Yeah, I, I, for the for the book, he wrote a book. I'd I'd and watch that. Counter, I think it's great. The counter Louis. It was hilarious, but. Yeah. The thing is with Lestat, he was made by an elder. They're not supposed to make yeah. they're not supposed to make underlings. Lower vampires are supposed to make them. That way their power isn't disseminated down into a vampire that's not prepared for that. And the guy that made him literally made him and was like, That's it, here you go. This is all my wealth. Here, here's how the here's how the power works. Uh, be out of the sunlight. This is what you got to do here. This is what you got to do. Took him out to feed for the first time. Was like, okay, well, that's that. Here's here's the keys to the place. I'm just gonna dive into this fire. Fuck it all. The equivalent of on that's the equivalent of on the job training for factory work. Anybody who's worked in a factory will tell you the on the job training is this is how you start it. This is how you stop it. Gauge apart every hour. Bye. <laughs> that's that's. But, well, the thing is, they also, what they don't tell you is for Queen of the Damned, they show Lestat being made by, um, what, Mar- Marius? Marius, Marius, yeah. Marius is not the one that made him. A completely different elder makes him. Marius is actually well, the one, the way, it, the way it went is correct. Marius is the one that ends up watching over Akasha and Ankyo. 
That is true. There was somebody before him. I mean, Marius is, Marius is fucking ancient. He actually can walk out in the sunlight. He does start to burn. It just happens so slowly. He's able to move Ankiel and Akasha. Well, you figure that's also that's also part of part and parcel of adapting a book to a film. There are certain things that they're not going to adapt, and certain stuff oh, yeah. that has to be done differently for the, the sake of adaptation. It did start showing some of Lestat's power in Queen of the Damned, which I did like, but didn't show enough of it. Like the dude's supposed to be able to hear your thoughts, which they did reference a little bit in Interview with a Vampire by the other vampire being able to hear his thoughts. That was actually given yeah. to them from Lestat. He was the original maker of most of those vampires. It was not... Uh... Can you remember his name? And this, is, this is part and parcel of uh, where this podcast tends to go. I brought That's up hard. Interview with the Vampire as a way of linking Kirsten Dunst to the Crow franchise because I wanted to and talk I... about how Witcher was a terrible movie. And then we then went off on this whole interview with the vampire tangent. No, that's fine. That's that's what this yeah. podcast is. <clears throat> and I mean, there, it was important because that is a that's a really strong one for the having a sequel and it being completely different than oh, it, than it, its it, original movie. Yeah, hands down. I only down. thought of Wicked Prayer because in the instance of the Crow films, we were talking about the Crow series. You'll notice if you watch Wicked Prayer, and I'm not saying to watch it. I'm also not saying don't watch it. I'm saying I'm indifferent about its existence. Um, you'll notice if you watch that film, it's a very different film visually from the other Crow movies in that there are scenes, important scenes that take place during the day. And unlike the other Crow films, it's not washed out. It's not made to look very Gothic. Like the skies are very bright and blue and it's, you can feel like they just didn't have the money for the filter to make them look properly. <laughs> You can tell like, like they didn't have the money to, to put on the effort to get it properly gothic looking. And on the subject of there being a limit of Mexican actors, Danny Trejo is in this movie as well. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's his name. Danny Trejo. Yeah. Machete. Machete himself. <laughs> he couldn't think of it then, but he thinks of it now. Thanks. Thanks, John. Oh, I didn't know you were talking to me about Danny Trejo. I, w- I said Machete. I- Sorry. Didn't hear you. Oh, you must have, yeah, it must have cut out or something before. But yeah, because yeah, yeah. we, we were saying that um, from dusk till dawn, Danny Trejo could have been the the Bob, mob boss. Yeah, yeah. Boss at the end. I think he, he plays those kinds of roles very well. Um, seeing him do that stuff in the past, I think that would have worked out really good. Um, for Going what back it, to what you were saying. For what it's worth, though, like, um, you know, Robert Rodriguez and the from dusk till dawn movies, a very specific feel. I think the Death Proof films are really great for that stuff, too. The Grindhouse stuff that he did is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, to go back to what I was talking about with Wicked Prayer and the Crow films, um, you'll notice visually that it's very different, and I think that it's lacking because of that. It's also I, very... Go ahead, Mike. I will admit there there was... You start out with these characters that are all, yes, we're evil. <laughs> Let's read the devil. And by the end of it, you're sec- Female lead? Would she be the female lead? Um, are we talking about like the 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 Native American like character, or are we talking about Tara Reed? 
yeah, Tara Reed, would she technically be considered the female lead? Tara Reed was. I mean, I, she I is the female mead, female the female mead. Yes, Honey Mead. Uh, she's the female lead because she is. Yeah, she's technically the live. That's in the film for the longest time, and she, but okay, she's so also, we're gonna do her. She's also an call her. Okay, um, so by the end of it, our female lead is like, oh my god, what the fuck? She realizes how evil all these people are because of something they did earlier in the film. Well, it's the realization that she's being used and that she's, you know, actually become the kind of white trash that she's spent her life trying to avoid being. And this is, you know, this is David Borneas of Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame. Wow, um, you're you're just completely shutting down Bones. You're such a dick about it, man. Uh, well, dude, I didn't watch Bones. I really shouldn't even know the Buffy stuff because I didn't care for that show. I like the movie better. Um, Honestly, it wasn't even that. I mean, Angel was better than Buffy. I'll, I'll say that. I got I got given so I had an ex girlfriend that gave me so much shit when we talked about Buffy because I was like, I like the movie. I didn't care for the show, and she's like, How could you not like the show? I'm like, I don't know. I just thought the movie was funny and I enjoyed it more. Charmed. Uh, you can go for those old school TV shows like that. Charm. My mom's watching oh, yeah. every episode of Charm. She has them all on DVD. So like, let's not go down the track road. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like you, you had David Warner, you had Tara Reid, you had uh, Edward Furlong of the Terminator fame. That's mainly what I knew him from. Terminator Two: Judgment Day, another sequel that I think is arguably better than the first film. But you need the first film to get the sequel. And later sequels to Terminator 2 were just, they were getting progressively worse. I think yeah, Terminator 1 and 2 was good enough. Yeah, I think, we, I think we didn't need Terminator 3. I haven't watched Dark Fate. I believe it's available on Hulu. I will have to watch Terminator Dark Fate. And I wanted to see I Terminator think, Salvation. I haven't seen that yet. I think I would rather put my foot in hot, cho- hot charcoal before I watch Dark Fate. It looks just ridiculous. He's over here, like pulling the pulling the Rajesh. He's like, I would rather swim butt naked through the Ganges with a paper cut on my nipple. <laughs> Ugh, just thinking about that's dangerous. Frightening. <sighs> it's a frightening thought. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I personally I enjoy the sequels to films. I don't know if they're as good as the original, but I feel like the term "good" is subjective. What makes oh, God, a film, yeah. what makes a film good? You know, it, it varies from genre to genre, type of film to type. Well, of film. so I mean, that sounds like you're because I'm not saying are they good. I'm saying are they better than the original? And in this case, a lot of the time, that's that's they're not. They're still good. Hey, that doesn't mean hey, that they're about, not how about good. Do, how about I do this one for you, John? Because I know you're going to have your your moment in time. Your moment. It'll be fine. Godzilla, and then King of Monsters. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, like because a, a lot of people didn't like that movie. A lot of people didn't like that first Godzilla movie. I mean, I've I've heard different now. I've heard that it was well received, but I remember when it came out, like a lot of people didn't care for it. So that's because that was a new view on what Godzilla was. People weren't for that. They really didn't like the way he looked. Oh, he's fat. His neck looks weird. His face is funny. I mean, I've dude, I've heard a lot of it when it came out. Trust me. Well, you figure American audiences aren't familiar with the old Toho Godzilla films, at least the ones that went to see Shin Godzilla in theaters at the time. 
you know, the only Godzilla film they had prior to that was that 96 Matthew Broderick abortion of a Godzilla film that we don't talk about. <laughs> Which, by the way, there there is a YouTube video showing how easily that Godzilla dies. <laughs> he avoids one blast and then he's just shit on. It's funny as hell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're right there. That's I think King of Monsters was probably better, but I think that's just because of the uh, the overall reaction to Godzilla versus King of Monsters. I think people were more accepting of it and prepared for it at that point than they were for, you know, Shin Godzilla. But that also leads into it. I mean, everybody had, once you put out this other Godzilla, new version, accepted it from that point because he was going to the next movie. Well, yeah, plus you figure King of Monsters was building up to what eventually would become Godzilla versus Kong. So... They were they were prepping a franchise at that point. I'm not too sure if that's when they were thinking about it. Because they preluded to the King of Monsters at the end of King Kong. <clears throat> they showed the, the battle between Godzilla and Ghidorah. Well, the, the first Kong movie, I don't think, had any... Allusions not, towards not the, the Peter Jackson Kong. You're thinking of no, no, no. I'm I'm talking Skull talking Island. Skull I'm talking Island. our new ones, yeah. our our actual our Godzilla or our Godzilla, our Kong, not the not the Black Jack or whatever the fuck one it was. I'm Peter Jackson's Kong one. Peter sure. Jackson directed it. Jack Black starred in it. Yes, that whatever's clever. Same shit. Wasn't he in the Skull Island one too? Jack Black. No. No. Hmm. No. It's been a while. This is we're talking serious actors here. Jack Black can go somewhere else. Put hey, him, he's a good actor. Uh, put him in the right role, sure. I mean, I mean that's true. I mean, he's not usually serious stuff. Like yeah, Tenacious I've, I've, D. I've enjoyed him in Tenacious D. I liked School of Rock. You know, it was great. Yeah, there you go. I, I called it Schoolhouse Rock. I don't know why. I, I couldn't remember the name of it off rip. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my dear friend Mike, who doesn't know Schoolhouse Rock from School of Rock. He, apparent, <laughs> he apparently doesn't know that Conjunction Junction has a function. <laughs> well, the sad part is, I actually, my mom actually had a bunch of those movies. I just never, I literally, I'd watch them just in one ear, out the other. I just didn't give a fuck. I live for Saturday that. morning cartoons. I've seen so many episodes of Schoolhouse Rock growing up. I don't hate it. <laughs> Fuck it. I, I'm not gonna lie. I hated it. This I would stuff. literally count this. I would count Cheerios in my bowl before watching that. I'm not even gonna lie to you. <laughs> He's like, "There's a message in my alphabet. It says, Ooh, those are Cheerios." Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Sorry, Seth MacFarlane. Don't sue me. <laughs> that joke was funny. That's why I stole it. <laughs> Yeah, Avery is the most serious form of flattery. Uh, unless you're Carlos Mencia, then you're just a straight up thief. <laughs> Damn, dude, I'm not the dude. only one that said it. Joe Rogan had a whole thing about it. <laughs> no, I remember yeah. been in South Park. Oh yeah, no that that's how yeah. you know someone's really fucked up when South Park is like you know gonna lambast you like that. You know it's well enough known that they feel like they can comment on it. And Matt Stone and Trey Parker do not give a fuck. 
<laughs> not at all. They do not give the beginnings of a fuck. They're like, whatever, we got this. We're just going to do what we do. And the way that they do that show, they've got to do it a week in advance because they have to stay current. It has to yeah. just keep going. Their production schedule is insane. Uh. Like, they need two episodes in a week for the presidential election. Yeah, I because they, they didn't know who like, was going to win, so they yeah. did one either way. Yeah. They did one Obviously, where the plot won. point was still yeah. the same. And it was yeah. Biden and, um, and Obama. Obama and McCain. Weren't they the, the that I think it was at that that presidential election they made two of them to do that, and then they decided that was too complicated, so they just made Garrison president for a season. <laughs> well, he was just an allegory to Trump. Yes, he was. I want to fuck him to death. I haven't watched South Park in so long. Yeah, well, I don't have HBO Max. You can watch South Park now. I, I can't. It used to be on Hulu. It's not anymore. Again, I've had Hulu before HBO Max, and I'll say it again. God, I haven't watched that in so long. It doesn't mean I want to. Just all, my favorite, all, my favorite South Park episodes, all my favorite South Park episodes, to, to go off on a little tangent and go a little further off track, all my favorite South Park episodes are episodes where they detract from the traditional animation style. Uh, two good examples are Fun Times with Weapons is a favorite of mine, and I liked The End of the World of Warcraft. Those are probably my two favorite South Park episodes. They did a bit on um, VR. Yeah. <clears throat> Although that one, the, the animation style was the same all the way till the end. Mm-hmm. And then and then they took off, he took off the, the, the VR headset, and it was, they, it was like a real cut, a real video. And he's like, it's pretty good, but the graphics kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then they um they also did it in they did a spoof on the I shouldn't have gone blank. You know, those that, that series of TV shows where people get trapped and then they kind of like does a real life how they get rescued and stuff like that. You ever heard of that? Right. Well, so yeah. theirs was like I shouldn't have gone ziplining. And it because it was ziplining was super super boring, and then they were like, they they were trying to get away so that they wouldn't die die of boredom. And then there was a bit where it was like, this is uh, portrayed by actors or something like that, like because they they do simulated acted scenes or whatever. And then that was real too. Whereas in my case, it would be like I shouldn't have gone skydiving because I didn't want to shit my pants before I hit the ground. <laughs> Do not throw me out of a perfectly good plane. Uh, I I will I will piss and or shit myself. It's going to happen. Mike's like taking notes for the bachelor party that's never going to happen. <laughs> no, no, I had something to say, and I'm trying to keep that to myself. Aww. Oh, it's inappropriate. Well, you know. Of everything we've said, it is not. It's not necessary. Of the stuff that's come out in this podcast, you're like, I don't want to say something that's inappropriate. I've already stuck my foot in my mouth three times since we started recording. So, John, I am. I'm not going there, and you should know why. I am not doing that reference. You've you've told me you've heard it enough, and I'm trying not to bring that up again. It's not happening, ladies and gentlemen. 
If he's talking about something he's not going to bring up, that should tell you how bad it really is. Yes. Well, I mean, in general, to the podcast itself, <laughs> if yeah. something's off limits, that's pretty up there already. So yeah, that's compared, fine. <laughs> yeah, compared to the amount of stuff I've already said, there there are probably, I can think of at least two things I've said in this particular cast that will get me in trouble with somebody. So, <laughs> let's put it this way. At one point, John has referenced that people have not the first line for the F in fuck. Like they, that's how little they care. Sweet Jesus. That's on my end. Sorry. Amber. This is the test of the emergency broadcast system. <laughs> no, that was my nephew's phone. Had this been a real emergency, you all would have been running around the house screaming your damn full heads off. I mean, but considering everything we say, how often we curse, the, the subjects we cover, the Oh, it is something I will legitimately, uh, I'll say it off air, but that'll be it. You heard the man. You don't get to listen to this one. <laughs> that is one comment I will hold till afterward, and that'll only be if somebody can remember to bring it up. <laughs> so, we've learned today that Mike has a line. <laughs> it, it's not necessarily a line for me. No, no. This, is, this is for my benefit, because I already know what it is you're not saying. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, on the subject of lines, really quick, um, I was talking about this earlier with the roommate. And I oh, sorry. Wrong, wrong line. Uh, mm, uh, uh, anybody got a line? Want to do another line? Mm, no. no um, damn it. There I go. Doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker. You pointed it out, and now I notice it every time. You piece of shit. <laughs> Gotta cut it out. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about saying it. I see them now. It's okay. So, for everybody else's reference, uh, John sometimes has an issue with um. You may not be hearing that um because Mike, our lovely editor, is cutting those out for John. But if there is some interest in finding out just how much it it happens, we may add a um counter. Oh, were we gonna? Are we gonna add an um counter? I'm not gonna lie. I was thinking about putting it into the description. It's it's official in the show notes. The number of ums in this episode. I'd be I okay. mean, I'd be okay with that because it'd be a fun running gag. Well, the the last one I cut. Let me let me look. Hold on. Well, for the for the record, uh, listeners, we're talking about an um that has occurred. It's such a well tread verbal tick of mine. <laughs> That he doesn't even have to hear them to know where they're at in the in the waveform. He can just cut them out because he's like, that's an um, that's gotta go. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's I've seen in in the last episode that I edited, which I mean, considering we're recording today is like the ninth. It's the ninth of May. Yep. And we'll be post the, the episode that we'll be posting on the tenth, I cut 20 ums out of it and half of those i recognize just because i could see that waveform because i'm like oh there's one <laughs> katie's like what what i highlighted it and played it no years um some of them make their way in because they're part of other conversation that's going on in the background and they can't all and, cut but there are there are some that like like me, I'm not gonna lie. I've cut. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I've cut at least ten. Like, there's a there's a moment like 
That's it. Right I'll just like and then just stop. <laughs> so I end up cutting that yeah. out too. It's like so. seconds of your brain just shut off right after you say a thing. You're like, Beep. yep, because I'll sit there and think yeah. of something to like, like, damn, and it just has to cut back in. But no, yeah. with Aaron, Aaron, I've actually had to stop and cut whole sections out. It's because he'll actually repeat the same thing twice and not realize he's done it. Oh, what you're getting at is we all have verbal tics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that shouldn't be corrected because it absolutely should. And the more that it's pointed out what? to us, the better we'll get it at spotting it and then not doing it. So I'm, I'm fine with being told that I um too much. I'm fine with being reminded of my verbal tics and being, you know, smacked on the wrist for them or what have you. That... That's totally okay. It makes perfect sense because it will it will make me a better orator in the long run. It'll be better for, for the show. It'll be better for us as casters. It'll be better for interviews any of us may do in the not-too-distant future. Interviews? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe I'm being optimistic, but you know, if this cast does well, we might get interviewed on other shows. I might get interviewed with regards to my book. I wasn't going to write true. that. I wasn't going to bring that up this episode because I brought it up the last three, but I, you know, I might get interviewed for the book down the line. I, I'm going to want to be good at doing interviews. I'm going to want to be a good orator for that. So having, okay, thank you, Mike. Four episodes. <laughs> the last four, you've done it. <laughs> he has to bring that up. It's, this makes four. <laughs> well, and I mean, but the, the thing with those is that a lot of that is not done by the person being interviewed, it's done by the person who's doing the interview. I mean, they do they do a lot of recording and then they do a bunch of editing after the fact to address it. Yeah. So you, like me, they're going to end up cutting a lot of shit out. Yeah, and that's just what they do. I mean, that's part of the job that they have for that. Well, they're going to cut so, a lot of tangents and things that don't belong in the interview that aren't relevant to whatever's being said, sure, but what I'm saying is pointing these things out makes you a better orator, makes you a better interviewee or interviewer, whatever the case may be. It's more in public speaking. That'll be a bigger one that you'll have to, to be. You have to be a good orator to be a good public speaker. But I mean, that that is part and parcel of what this podcast is, in a sense. I mean, it's edited and curated, sure, but it's still public speech. We're still talking to a crowd of people, a hopefully growing crowd of people. Please listen, rate, review. We love you. <laughs> But, I mean, there's an opportunity for editing there that you don't get in public speaking. Yes, that's true. Yeah, for, for instance, I could just cut everything you just said to make it sound like you're just telling people you love them. I do love them. No reason. I, I do. <laughs> I don't need a reason. I love you all. Peace, love, and charity, my friends. Uh <laughs> oh, that's, that's not... That, yeah. On the subject of editing, uh, imagine how fucking freaky and weird it would be if you could edit live speech like if someone was like speaking live and just like kind of jump cut to a completely different position that'd be so disturbing <laughs> yeah everyone would be like wait did that just happen or did my brain I'm pretty sure if, you, if, you, <laughs> if you did it properly i think you could do a script if you were able to see a script in front of you and read it literally just have it to where you're just you jump cut on your own i think it would still be just as weird yeah i would well that's true but i was thinking about where they cut like a whole section of ted talk out and he's completely at the other end of the stage that's what i was thinking of 
Um, well, so I guess the question is if if that was and this is way off topic, but oh, if that was so real, off topic, like there's probably a solid 15 minutes of this that's never going to see the light of day, and that's okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to keep this in here just because it's it's rather amusing, and I'm pretty sure everybody. I don't know if the people that are listening are going to give a shit, but it's just some of the behind the scenes of what's going on. Well, <laughs> Mike, you did say that we do have a three hour time limit on uh, on Anchor. Sure. Not to not to disparage Anchor at all, because you know I love that you've given us a platform and let us do this crazy thing. We're having fun with it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jess. We do have a three-hour window, and so far the minimum that I've cut off of a off of a cast is ten minutes. That is the minimum I've had to cut off at one time. Mike's been doing our editing. Uh, we all have access to the editing tools and editing bay. I am not versed in editing podcast. I wouldn't know the first thing to do. Uh, that would be something for, for Mike to do and doing it or Aaron to do because Aaron's a programmer. I wasn't going to do that again, but you know, it's a trope now. I have to keep doing it. Well, I had a counter for that too, I guess. <laughs> you are a contrarian, John. Like, <clears throat> Somebody had to call me a contrarian. Give me something I can be contrary about. I'm having withdrawals. Blue is red. <laughs> anyway, no, I mean, I gave everybody access so we could all do something. Like, <clears throat> if you wanted to, you could go in and add in, add in our details, whatnot, edit descriptions and what have you, like you had me do last week. Um, yep. Last week's podcast was the uh, the anime, manga, comics, power scaling episode that um, I did. I did the uh, the intro like text on that for the people that see it on Anchor and on Spotify and what have you. So if if you happen to like that one, let me know. I'll do more of them. So far, I haven't had any problems. I mean, I'm assuming you guys are okay with the images I'm finding to put into these. No, yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. The only thing I have to say about the podcast so far is that I hate the sound of my own voice. Well, <laughs> as much as I talk, I hate hearing myself back because I do not sound as good as I think I do in the moment. And it makes me feel like just Ugh. it's like listening to yourself doing karaoke. You're like, that did not sound good at all. Yeah. Well, there's, a, there's a valid reason for that, because when you're talking, it's coming through your body right yeah. i mean your ears are hearing it not just from what you're saying but also from internally and yeah. so yeah when when it's recorded it's always sounds different yeah. so so basically you're hearing not just your audible your audio you're also getting the the vibrations that you're picking up from your speech through yourself yeah. that's what that's what you're getting yeah. That's that's why it's talk, unfortunately it does cause distortion. Well, your actual voice is a lot deeper than you actually hear it too. Like I sound differently to you guys than you sound than I sound to myself. That was well worded. I'm brilliant. Like <laughs> again, words are hard. Yeah, words and stuff. <laughs> stuff and things. Things and stuff. But there I mean, you go. We've we've gone so far off base that like this is a completely different podcast now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the table where we start on one topic and end on a completely <laughs> different topic. But that's kind of the point, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it's just chatting. It's true. I, I, the reason I yeah. wanted to do this is because I wanted to not just cover some of the stuff we wanted to, but we end up having conversations on occasions. And I'm not going to lie, mm. interdimensional thoughts, 
yeah, some of how yeah. our space travel ideas have popped off. Yeah, sure. We'll have random conversations of the fluidity of time travel or what what have you. Yeah, the possibility of going backward or forward in time and how that would work and what effects that might possibly have. For, I think for, it's been about enough time. I think I'm going to introduce Infinity. Remember the, the, the fun topics that we had on Infinity. Oh, yeah, but because <laughs> Infinity isn't even really Infinity. There's still a limitations to Infinity because that's a whole other can of worms. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> for those of us that haven't discussed this, anybody who needs to know the general premise of this podcast and why it is what it is, this all started as a result of our, our conversations in party chat on Xbox Live. And some of the weird things that we say while playing games together that are completely unrelated to whatever's going on on screen. And Mike was the one that had the genius thought of, we should record this stuff and post it out for the world. And with Anchor, thank you, Glorious Masters, we now have the ability to do that. So I think that yeah. it's a great toolkit for everyone to be allowed to use. And now we're able to put our, to put our crazy, zany, completely not on drugs, but you would believe we were all on drugs conversations out into the world for people to hear and hopefully enjoy. Uh, so if you do enjoy them, please feel free to like comment, subscribe, all that stuff for the algorithm gods of the various platforms. Uh, yeah. Look at Aaron cringe as I'm doing this. It's I've not- seen too many YouTube videos do that. And I, I, I hate that. It's got to be done, Aaron. I'm I not, know. I know. I'm not, I know. <laughs> I'm not begging for anyone's approval. I'm just saying if you guys like what you listen to, feel free to comment, leave a review. Good review, bad review. Let us know what we're doing. If you just want to talk shit about me or Mike or especially Aaron. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh and if you've got any comments or any particular topics that you think that we would be interested in. Be yeah, sure to let us know. Um, we, we do love uh, hearing about new topics and new new forms of discussion. We are trying to come up with topics in advance. So if you have something you want us to talk about, please let us know. Uh, yeah. We'll be sure to give you a shout out if we see it come from. Oh, somewhere. absolutely. Give us a, give us a username. You know, we'll we'll happily give you a shout out. Let you let people know who come up with a topic, who wanted to hear us talk about what, um, you know, the best. we are also currently working on getting our. A YouTube and a Twitch channel working so we can actually have some of those lovely party chats where we're all not even playing the same game, but having the most retarded conversations uh, posted out there. <laughs> now you can't use the word retarded, Michael. That's not PC. I'm on a PC. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Put him talking about. I'm on a PC. But no, there the some of the conversations we have are left field, right field. I don't care what you're going to call. Oh them. yeah, no, they go they go way off. Like this one's gone way off into the ether from where we started. Yeah, well, yeah and we that, started on movies, and now we're talking about our podcast. There it is. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't want to be self-aggrandizing, but I did want to make sure that everyone knows what this podcast was meant to be, how it got started, and you know maybe we can talk about it more in the future. But I wanted to make sure that we covered that base so that anyone who's like what is the table now we at least have something if we don't you know use it in the actual pod we can clip it and say hey this is what the table is yeah refer to this episode if you want to know more refer to this episode at the end of it because the beginning has nothing to do with it yeah this episode this specific timestamp because if you go we're going to be talking about completely different topic at the beginning (laughs) 
I'll, I'll have to figure out what timestamp it is all the way in the end so I can leave it in the de- description. Like, hey, this is where the videos stop. <laughs> the rest of it is the podcast. The rest of it is, yeah. Um, and I don't know what the what the pod's going to be after, you know, Mike has done his editing bit. But hopefully you guys have enjoyed it so far. I've listened to all of them as they've come out just to hear how they turn out. That's how I that's how I know I hate hearing the sound of my own voice because I sound so not like me and it bugs me. Um, I love Aaron's silence and stroking his lovely beard. Plotting. Aaron's Bond villain waiting to happen. <laughs> I've trimmed mine off so I don't I don't feel the need to You know, Mike, I didn't know really you like to do something with my hands. That. Yeah, you did trim it and it looks nice. Get Aaron a fidget spinner. <laughs> He doesn't need one. He's got, he's got one of those fidget cubes around. I saw him playing with it a couple episodes ago. Yeah. I'm not sure where it is at the moment. On the subject of Bond villains, let's, let's heel turn right back into the topic. Uh, the, uh, the James Bond series is uh, another odd collection of sequels and prequels that bounce all over the place. Uh, and I feel like those films are kind of made um, whatever the previous film did. Because... A lot of the tropes of James Bond films aren't even from like the first James Bond film. A lot of what became tropey and well-known as James Bond was all in Goldfinger. And Goldfinger was not the original James Bond film. That would have been Dr. No. Wasn't Pierce Brosnan, wasn't that Pierce Brosnan's first James Bond? No, that was was Goldeneye. Yeah. You did not just confuse Pierce Brosnan and Sean Connery. I will drive to Arizona and dick smack you. No, Don't I don't, because I was thinking of the Pierce Brosnan GoldenEye. So, yeah. on the subject of GoldenEye, since we talked about it in our last episode, uh, yeah, it's worthwhile to think of here. Yeah, that was Pierce Brosnan's first Bond film. That was also the Bond that I grew up with, and what made me be like, yeah, James Bond's awesome. Sean Connery was the James the original, Bond. James the original Bond. Bond. Yeah, he was the original Bond. If you've seen images of Ian Fleming's James Bond from the books, that is fucking Sean Connery. Like, that's... <laughs> sorry, it just was him. Uh, sorry, not sorry, whatever. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But those films <laughs> would be completely differently shot if they were done now, and that's why Bond has evolved and the actors played Bond has changed over the years. There are certain things that they've done that I thought were brilliant, but some of them that they're planning on doing that I'm not a fan of. Yeah, and they are—they are talking about you know dropping Daniel Craig and pulling some somebody else in to be the next Bond. Yeah, which I mean, like they've—they've they've done that before, you know. It's, There's been four, five, five or six Bonds. I—I I know every Bond because I, I listed them. There was one that I kept missing. <laughs> well, here—here's the thing about all the previous Bonds. Um, all the previous Bonds acted as the they were the same James Bond. Every one of them used the same name. They were all James Bond. So far, we've had six Bonds. Okay. Ah. So it wasn't until we got Daniel Craig that we actually learned that they're all not the same person. They're all just giving the, the code designation of James Bond. 007 is James that, Bond. That's never been expressly said. So yeah, it, dude, go back, go back to his first one, the Casino Royale. That was yeah, a, they, it was meant to be a prequel film because Casino Royale was the the first 
Ian Fleming Bond book. He wasn't um he wasn't a double he wasn't double oh seven then. No, he, thought, hadn't, he hadn't received his license to kill yet. So, but he was called Bond before that, right? Yeah. His name okay, was then that doesn't. Yeah, then he was designated 007 in Casino Royale, but it was a prequel film. That so being said, that, he called himself James Bond, and there's so a whole, there's a whole lot of timeline chicanery with the James Bond series because of that. But that was going to happen when a film series takes place over fifty years. But for the record, we've got six Bonds thus far, starting with Sean Connery, right? You had Sean Connery, Roger Moore, George Lazenby, who's the one that I always fucking lose. Then you had Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and the latest Bond is Daniel Craig. Now, the one thing that all the Bonds have had in common, they're all white men. I don't mind this because I'm trying to maintain the illusion that it's all been the same James Bond the whole time. Because I don't like the idea that the name James Bond is a code name for the designation for 007. I've never liked that. I think it's a weird sort of thing because they're trying to hand wave away that Bond is played by all these different actors. Well, no, I mean, but it makes sense though, because I mean, what kind of, what kind of spy tells you their real name? Why would that James Bond be a code name? Those designations. Sterling Mallory Archer. I'm not going to say any more than that. Well, yeah, because that's that's a great example of accurate spy um, spycraft. Okay, I'm going to throw this one out there just because it was dumb and it's spy. I'm Xander Triple X. Xander Cage. (laughs) Well, I mean, he couldn't exactly go because, like, he was well known at that point. He couldn't exactly go around claiming to be like Paul Bunyan. Yeah, like, well, because he wasn't a spy, he was supposed to. He was more like a double agent in that case. Which is where the double O in double O seven comes from. A double O eight—that's an actual spy term, right? A double O agent is a spy pretending to be a spy for the other side. So, like, if you're a secret agent, you're spying for one country in the purview of another country. If you're a double O agent, you're spying for one country as a spy that defected to another country who never really defected and is still spying for the first country. That's where well, the double O comes in. But that's never actually used. James Bond is never a defected spy. I think yeah. one movie he was, but he was never defected. You only lived twice, but that was when he faked his death. Uh, yeah. Never say never again. Uh, I don't know. I think it might have been one of the newer ones with Daniel I, Craig. I still haven't watched all the Bond films yet. Well, if you're, thinking yeah, of, I mean, if you're thinking of him having defected, then you're thinking of Quantum of Solace. Yeah. That was the film that took place immediately after Casino Royale, where Vesper, yeah. where Vesper Lynn died and then he defected from MI6. Yeah, but, but he didn't join another spy agency, so that's no, still... No, he just, he just defected and went rogue and like was yeah. like, I'm going to get revenge uh, in that total alpha male way that Daniel Craig does things because he's totally, completely an alpha and I kneel before his manliness. <laughs> But I mean, and I, know, I know that this is going to sound negative before I even say it. So I'm just going to say it and get it out there. Um, they've talked about changing the ethnicity of James Bond. And that bothers me. And they've talked about changing the gender of James Bond. And that bothers me. And it's not because I don't think that someone who is, you know, a person of color or, or a woman can play the role of James Bond. 
That can absolutely be done. But doing that shatters the illusion that I'm doing the best I can to keep in my head that these James Bonds, all these disparate actors, are all the same person. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it fucks with that illusion. I'm not saying that it can't be done. I'm saying that doing it will fuck with that illusion for me and make those movies unwatchable. So let go. Let go of your false concept or conception. What are, fucking, what are you fucking Elsa? I'm not letting it go. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> out of here with that shit. You don't need it. They have a perfectly good reason. Uh, the code name James Bond. It works. Go Not for a code it. name though. It's he's fucking James Bond. Don't don't do that no, to me. No, he could. I, I will throw things at you from Michigan. Maybe I'll Daniel do. Craig's prequel was he was the original James Bond because there he was the original 007. But after that, when he retires, 007 is still assigned the code name James Bond. So the first person that's because their name. That point, like James Bond is a legend or whatever. I, I see yeah. what you're saying there. I don't know. Narratively, it could work. It just doesn't sit right with me. It bugs me. That being said, there's a lot of things about the James Bond movies that bug me because they would not fly today. Uh, and and the so-called uh, the so-called. Oh, we could just say Bond. that uh, James Bond is a time lord. That just solves it all right up. Uh, James Bond is the time lord, and the doctors never showed up to smack him for smacking all those women. Uh. Well, he was only very recently become a woman, the doctor. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's always been a misogynist. Come on, like what? Well, it was a different time. <laughs> he was in the fifties. He had the same kind of mindset. You could say the same thing about Sean Connery as James Bond. So, mm -hmm. like, you're just hand waving the problem away at that point. <laughs> what? What did we say? Who said something about ham? <laughs> Sorry, I had to make the fat guy jokes. Yeah, well, you know, we're all a little fat, except for me. I'm a, I'm a lot fat. Are we going to talk about it? What do you What do you think, Aaron? You think it's time? I think it's time. I think so. I think it's time we clear the table. <laughs>